You're listening to Amina Amso Network Podcast. Kia ora and welcome to this week's episode of the Amina Amso Show. And if you're listening to me on Spotify, welcome to you as well. We heard the news about the volcanic eruption in Tonga and um, it bothered us a lot and we were quite concerned about our loved ones and our friends if they were there. Now, the eruption that took place in, in Tonga in January this year um, was one um, uh, one of a kind. It was the first in, in, in a really long time that um, was significant and it caused a lot of damage. We've seen some pictures and, and heard some stories, but today I have with me a Kiwi pharmacist who works in Tonga and was there during the tragedy, which actually left about 80,000 um Tongans homeless, which is about 80% of the population. Now, this episode is also wonderful for you out there if you're thinking about going overseas and doing mission work, if you're a health professional or a healthcare worker and looking forward to um, working in a place like Tonga. On a lighter note, Jasmine Dodge is the pharmacist I'm chatting to today, and she is actually based in Tonga. She's from Canterbury, but she's based in Tonga now, and she just celebrated her 10 years anniversary working in Tonga Tapu. Actually, no, I made a mistake, not Tonga Tapu, it's Nokoalofa. And she celebrated the anniversary of her being there for 10 years. And so we will talk about that also. So anyway, I just wanted to welcome Jasmine to the show. Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Rina. And Malo Lele. Malo Lele, yes, and you are correct. Tongatapu is the name of the island and Nukualofa is the name of the city. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, I really hope and uh, hope and pray that the internet connection uh, stays because I do hear that after the eruptions, the whole island was cut off from the entire world. Uh, you had no internet, no telephone. You couldn't get through to um, your family and your friends. And so anyway, hopefully this uh, interview will stay well and people can still see you if you're watching on YouTube. But I just want you to find out what's, how is it going now with, you know, being in Tonga after the eruptions and also having COVID? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how is it going yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting time. The the volcano. Uh, the first thing we had was a marine tsunami warning the day before the eruption on the fifteenth of January, and so we weren't sure what a marine tsunami was, but um, that helped a few people to clear away from the coastline. Mm. And then the next day, um, which was a Saturday, it was just an afternoon. And um, everyone obviously got a massive fright when we heard the, the noise and mm. the vibration of the volcano. Um, and since then, it's been kind of uneven recovery. It's mm. like the people whose lives were completely destroyed. Um, there were, there's a few villages um, mm. on the main island and some small islands in the Hapai group where mm. everything was flattened. And for those people, it will be a really long-term recovery. Um, but for most of us, um, the recovery is going really well. And even after 
COVID arrived in the country two weeks, two weeks after the eruption. Um, yeah, with everyone, people in Tonga are very resilient. I think mm. that's the main thing. So tell our audience where you're exactly on the island, um, because I don't think they would, they would know. Yeah, so Tonga has three main island groups and a fourth island group close to Samoa. And so I'm on the main island, Tonga which is further, further the closest to New Zealand. Mm. And um, that has the main capital city, Nukualofa. And um, we're also, apart from a few small islands, we're very close to where the volcano um, erupted. Mm. Yeah. So how far would the volcano would have been from your workplace, let's say? I have to look up how many kilometres it is, actually. <laughs> I can't remember, but yeah. we could definitely see it. <laughs> yeah, you can see the volcano from work or from where you are, at least, if you're on the coast or by the marina. Yeah. Mm. And this, um, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but this has this volcano erupted before? Uh, yeah, it's a new island. Mm. Um, it, it's an island formed by a volcano under the water. So it first, um, it first erupted above the surface, I think it was 2014 or January 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has stopped a lot of flights because um, the flights can't go when there's so much ash in the air yeah. and everyone was quite excited it was like yeah. wow not often that you see a brand new island appear in the world so we had lots of people interested and especially geologists they were very interested to see what would happen when a new land appeared from, from out of nowhere so um, yeah and then this uh, this time it had been um, releasing some steam and some ash for for about, I don't know, a few weeks, I think, and we'd had some warnings to cover up your rainwater collection to make sure the ash doesn't get in the rainwater and things like that. But we, no one really even talked about the possibility of a big eruption. We didn't really think about it. No one, No one planned for it or imagined that it could happen. And yet it did. And so where were you when the eruption took place? I was just at home. It was a Saturday afternoon and um, the pharmacies, I'm at work on Saturday until 2 o'clock, so I was just resting at home after work. Mm. I think it was about 4 or 5 p.m., but I only know that from looking back on um, messages and things because... After the eruption, it got dark really quickly wow. from the ash covering everything. So, looking at the time, I thought it was much later than it was, but it was it was dark because of the because of the ash blocking out the sun. Yeah. So you were at home resting. Did you? What did you hear? Um, it's hard to describe how it sounded. When, People ask me, it's like, well, it sounded like a volcano erupting. It's a big bang. <laughs> How does a volcano sound like? Big, big explosion. Yeah. Explosion. <laughs> big explosion yeah. kind of sounding and, yeah. and, and shaking, but not different kind of shaking than an earthquake. It didn't shake both ways. It was more just like a push. Mm, a big, you know, like, 
or pressure from one direction. Yeah. And actually, the first sign that something strange, oh, there's a few things. The day before, I'd been swimming in the sea with a friend, and we'd smelt quite a strong sulfur smell. Wow. And we were like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Maybe it's a volcano, but we didn't really pay much attention. We just got in and went for a swim. And then when I was resting at home um, just before the eruption, we could feel the pressure in our ears. Everybody commented that their ears felt strange and they could tell something was wrong. And then the explosion happened, so it must have been the pressure. Wow. Um, I'm not even going to ask you about the scientific thing about how does a pressure develop with a volcano i'm sure there's a lot of scientific explanation for that uh, feel free to step into that explanation if you know but no worries <laughs> <laughs> i only I only read that um this was a very unique volcano it, mm. it's un, unusual um and part of the reason was that um it happened very suddenly because the the heat was exposed to the seawater and the temperature difference caused a massive explosion. That's as much as I know really. (laughs) So you you were home and things got dark pretty quickly. What were you doing? What did you do? Who you were texting? Um, So the first priority was for me was um, thinking about water because my water is a rainwater tank that comes off the roof so I wanted to get as much water inside as possible before the ash fell in it and I was listening to the radio and deciding whether to evacuate from my house or not. Um, My house is maybe five or six blocks from the coast um, so I didn't know how far a marine tsunami would be expected to reach. Um, but on the radio, I was listening, they were saying the road is crazy. Everybody is in their cars in a traffic jam and trying to get somewhere further inland. And the, the small rocks from the volcano are starting to fall and the ash is starting to fall. And people can't really see out their windscreens because it's wow. getting dark and the ash is covering their windscreens. So I decided... I think I'll stay at home. <laughs> yeah, sounds a bit chaotic. And yeah, so a lot of people evacuated and there were some good places to go and spend the night for people who didn't feel safe in their houses. Um, but I'm glad I stayed home. It was more comfortable and the electricity went off pretty quickly. Yeah. And I thought that that's what was wrong with the internet um, but then it turned out the electricity came back on and our internet was still out. So the, the volcano damaged the cable that connects Tonga to the rest of the world, yeah. um, provides all our internet and telecommunications. So the only option other than that is um, satellite phones that mm. we're able to contact yeah. outside. So when did yeah. the internet come back? When did you have the internet again? Um, it slowly started for some people about two weeks after, oh. about the same time as COVID arrived. Oh dear, <laughs> But not very a good time. slow, just some satellite yeah. internet connections on and off. Yeah. Um, and then the cable, the cable to the main island was restored on the, I think it was the second of February. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, second, pretty sure. Wow, and um, having to deal with twenty, and I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, having to deal with um, deciding whether or not to evacuate. I mean, I you you obviously felt safe to be at home, but you were also worried that um, if there was a tsunami warning, and if there was a tsunami, then you. There's a possibility being so close to the coast that you might be flooded. And so you were listening to the radio and, and figuring out, oh, my gosh, what am I supposed to do? So um, did you get any damage from, firstly, the ash, secondly, the tsunami? Because the tsunami ca- came along about 24 hours later or something? Um, my house was absolutely fine. It was just the ash covering everything. Mm. Um, there was no, there was no damage, and quite a few people were like in the same in the same position as that as well. Just mm. the ash is a pain to clean up. It's kind of like the liquefaction that happened in Christchurch after the mm. earthquakes. It's just heavy and a pain to move. Um, everyone was nervous that there'd be another eruption. No one could yeah. guarantee that there wouldn't be more eruptions, so we didn't know when to start cleaning up or. Um, we were also getting health warnings about the ash, saying that um, it might not be safe to touch or breathe breathe in the ash. So everyone was being very cautious and wearing their masks outside, which was good practice for when COVID arrived. Yes. And um, we, yeah, the tsunami only, and Nukualofa had only affected the first block back mm. from the coast. Yeah. Um, and... There seems to be two different timings. The, the tsunami that happened on the west coast, where a lot of the resorts were destroyed and the villages of Hatafu and Kanukupolu were destroyed, um, those places, the tsunami wave started before the big explosion that we heard. Mm. The sea was already changing and destroying the buildings before we even heard the eruption. So that was interesting to find out, quite shocking to find out from friends that were affected by that. They didn't have any chance to get away because they didn't have the explosions as a warning like we did uh, in this part of the island. So you're saying that there was a a tsunami um, before the volcanic eruption happened? Yes, yeah. So we had the... We had a tsunami warning the day before, mm. and a lot of people who live along the coast, they were cautious and they um, went inland from that, but then they went back, uh, and then the tsunami happened um, before the big explosions from the volcanic eruption. Yeah, you, so that... Mm. Um, yeah. Do you know any friends or family members, perhaps more friends or co-workers that had real devastation to their homes and their homes really got um, or their, what places that they live in um, really got damaged? Um, there, one friend of mine died. She's, her name's Angela Glover and she was living on the west coast mm-hmm. and the tsunami completely took her and her husband's house. Um, so we didn't know anything about that until the day after um, that that she was missing, and then they found her body on the Monday morning. Oh, wow. And um, also other friends on that part of the island, they had their whole 
property and everything completely wiped up. If you see the drone photos, you can see the difference. Like beautiful resorts, beautiful gardens, cyclone-proof buildings, like strong, strong buildings. And now nothing, like all of the trees have gone, all the buildings are flattened. It's, it's just rubble left there. So you can see the power of the tsunami. Like it was, there were many people who had very close escapes. They just made it out of those buildings in time before everything got taken into the sea. Wow. And just to think about the force of the water and just... Um, it's really sad to hear the destruction that has taken place and also your friend, and I'm really sorry to hear. It must be really hard to hear about all this, um, all, all that that's take place, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and some of the small islands in Hapai, Fonoi and Nomoka and uh, a few others, they were, all the buildings on the whole island were destroyed and this is people's whole villages, everybody. Mm. And um, now they're starting to think about what to do, whether to go back to those islands and rebuild mm. or whether to um, relocate to different land. So the royal family in Tonga has given the people from those villages different land to rebuild on um, so that they can be somewhere they feel safe and rebuild their lives, which is Really great. That's really good, yeah, because I believe the palace, is the residential palace is on the main island, the Tonga Tapu Nokolofa, the city of Nokolofa. Yeah. And uh, the, what was happening to the royal family? Uh, the king was in Ewa um, on another island at the time, um, and he, he did a speech on the radio as soon as we had radio access yeah. Uh, which was a really great speech, just encouraging everybody and thanking God for protecting us. Like if you see the satellite image of the volcano, it looks like Tonga's completely wiped off the face of the earth. <laughs> and yeah. it looked yeah, like that it? from an outside perspective. So yeah. we're thankful. He was His speech was fantastic, thankful that we're still here and that God will help us rebuild. And... Um, yeah, and the palace did have some damage because it's right on the coast. Uh, you can see the, the fence. From the outside, I can see that the fence is badly damaged in some of the grounds. So I think the house is okay, the yeah. palace itself. And I believe that um, people are now out and about um, feeling safe. Like, how do you feel? What's the What's the sense like on the streets when you talk to people? Are they feeling at ease or are they on edge? No, I think everyone feels, um, well, at ease until you hear something that sounds like a volcanic eruption. <laughs> We've had a lot of thunderstorms since the volcano and the noise of the thunder sounds very similar to what we heard during the eruption. So that sends people back to how they felt during the eruption, the fear and anxiety and yeah. um, just wondering if they're going to be safe. Um, but when the weather's good and there's no there's no um, thunderstorms going on, I think that everyone's doing okay in their recovery and feeling all right. It would be interesting to know from a scientific perspective how likely it is to erupt again, yeah. but I don't know if anybody knows that they 
they were telling us on the radio after the eruption that they can't predict it. It's not. We're used to cyclones. We cyclones. You can you can see that they're approaching. You know how big they're going to be. Possibly what path they might take. But a volcano is something completely different. You can't predict it. Could you all e- even test the temperature under under the earth or raise the alert level, as in that have happened here recently in New Zealand? With mm. one of the volcanic, one of the volcanoes actually had its um, alert level raised to from one to two, um, and so can we do that in, in Tonga? I don't think we have the technology for that yet, but I'm sure they'll be getting some more um, expertise around watching the volcano, and you can definitely see when there's steam or ash coming out of it. So that definitely gives us a warning that it's more active than usual. Mm. And so, have you seen any changes in the way people come to your work? Obviously, you're sitting in a pharmacy now. And by the way, if you've just joined us, I um, I just wanted to um, uh, remind you that I'm having a chat to Jasmine Dodge. She's a pharmacist in Tonga. She's a New Zealander, actually, from Christchurch. And she's been in Tonga for 10 years. Uh, just celebrated her 10-year anniversary, and she lived through the... Tongan um, volcanic eruption that happened in January and we were just talking about where was she what was she doing how did she experience um, the uh, the time when the eruption took place Um, where did she go who did she speak to and um, yeah so I um, I want to know also like did people come to the pharmacy wanting to get a certain medication or a certain service or certain help due to the volcanic eruption? Um, we, we were pretty quiet uh, just after the volcano. I think people were concentrating on cleaning up around their homes and yeah. um, making sure they had basic things, food and shelter and mm. water supplies. Um, we were expecting um, some skin problems from that contact mm. with the ash, and we did have a few... Um, people coming in for things like that, but other than that, it was it was just the normal, normal yeah. health concerns that people were having. <laughs> so you had no issues with um, gaining access to water uh, and electricity. You did say electricity came back soon, soon, soon after the. Uh, um, what was it? When? What? When did you get the electricity back? Uh, the electricity went on and off a lot so it was it was on quite quickly and then off again for a few hours that was quite difficult with the medicines that we have stored in the refrigerator here at the pharmacy yeah. um, we had to get rid of a lot of them because they weren't kept at the right temperature um, and then we had to wait for new stock to arrive mm. um, but it was very unpredictable I was handwriting the medicine labels during the power cuts and then the power mm come on again so I'd type them out and print them um <laughs> but it was it was yeah it was driving us a bit crazy how it was yeah. on and then off and then on and off they had to make sure that the ash was not going to damage any of the equipment they use for generating the electricity so they had to be quite cautious to check it all before they um let it go again well it sounds like you are on the recovery phase now and um certainly you you sound like you've been recovered um you know from what you're describing that from where you are 
things haven't been so bad, but it has been quite uh, quite devastating for other people in other parts of the city and other parts of and other islands as, as well, especially the tourism industry and the the resorts that because the Tonga has built some real beautiful resorts. And they do rely on, do they, yeah, they have a, a bit of a tourism, you know, the, the economy actually gets a lot of it, a lot of it's um, um, pumping from tourists. So um, is there any, what do you see coming through? I mean, I know this is um, going to take a while before the, the resorts will come back to normal. Yeah, the tourism industry in Tonga has been very hard hit, firstly by Cyclone Harold, um, which mm. happened in, I think it was April 2020. Mm-hmm. And then the lockdown has continued. Our border has been closed to overseas uh, visitors for two years now. And then to have a volcano and a tsunami on top of that, that um, wipes out a lot of the accommodation along the coastline is very, very, very hard for those people who that's their passion to uh, provide hospitality to visitors and to welcome them to Tonga and to give them an experience of what it's like mm-hmm. here when they come on holiday. Um, they, The people who work in that hospitality industry, they, they really have had a lot to cope with. And uh, certainly will take a while before things will get back up again and um, and things will run back to normal. And there has been a lot of um, fundraising and money pumped in into the islands to help it recover from all this destruction. Um, do you, have you heard of any um, updates on how that's been going? Uh, yes, there were lots of organizations that came in and helped people, went door to door and provided um, basic food supplies and water, radios and things that people needed um, early on in the recovery. Mm. It's, it was very necessary part of the part of it to have the, those organizations like the Red Cross already set up ready to go and organizations like Salvation Army going to the villages and helping the children to um, play some games and have fun and talk about their experience and recover from the trauma of what they've been through. Um, Lots of people doing fantastic work, so I'm really, yeah, it's good to be here and do my part and to see all the amazing work that other people are doing as well. This concludes part one of this episode. Be sure to watch out for part two next week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? If you enjoyed it so much, would you please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts? Because that would really help get the message out. Until next week, Hairira.